XY Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm here today with a very good friend of mine, Christopher Huckabee, who is the CEO at Huckabee and Associates based down in Fort Worth, Texas, with offices all over the great state of Texas, or the, the great Republic of Texas, as we like to say. And uh, Chris is somebody that I originally wanted to get on the podcast a long time ago, and uh, it just never materialized. But finally, finally, because he has a lot of time on his hands, just like I do, and he's at home, just like I am, we finally got together and decided to do this podcast episode. So Chris, how are you doing today? Well, good good morning, and uh, I'm doing just uh, <laughs> as good as can be expected right now. So thank you for the opportunity. You're correct. Uh, we've tried to do this forever, and suddenly it looks like my calendar uh, has a lot more openings in it than it has in the past. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, I, I'd appreciate if you just share with the audience just a little bit about your superhero origin story, which I think is a really interesting one, but just, you know... how how you got to where you got uh, as a CEO at Huckabee and, and just a little bit about your background and, and then we'll get into what Huckabee does. And we'll, we'll talk about the little elephant in the room that everybody's dealing with right now, which is COVID-19 and how it impacts uh, the design industry in, in unique ways in different verticals uh, within the industry. So Sure. Well, uh, so Huckabee is a 53-year-old uh, firm that's focused solely on educational design. That's that's what literally what we've done from day one, what we do today. Uh, I am the CEO and have been for a very, very long time. Uh, this is a family business started by my father in 1967, and I'll at least back up enough because it's an interesting story. So my, fa- my grandfather was a general contractor, and my dad uh, really struggled with plans. He went to work for my granddad as a young man and felt like he was working with very incomplete details and documents and decided he could become an architect because he could do it better. So he went to architecture school for one year, ran out of money. Uh, My granddad had lost his free labor and certainly was not going to help my dad become an architect. Uh, So that was it for my dad. Back in those days, you really, there was not ready access to cash to get a student loan. And and so therefore that was kind of the end of the road for my dad in architecture school. In those days you could apprentice and he went to work for an architecture firm as an apprentice architect and apprenticed until he became a registered architect. Mm -hmm. And the day he became registered architect, he and his mentor left and started Huckabee in 1967. Uh, And my father said he did not have an education. He thought the world should be educated, and therefore that's what they were going to dedicate their life to doing. And my, my dad's a Marine. He's a good guy. He's a very tough guy, uh, but a really good guy, and he dedicated his life to doing what we do today, which is educational design. But more importantly, he felt like every single student in the world should have an education, and he I, my dad has educated more people, paid to educate more people than anyone I know. He's and is a very uh, private person about it. He he doesn't want people to know what he's doing, but but that's what he's done still to this day. Really good guy. He's 85 today, and my mother wow. is as well. 
and in great health. But so my dad uh, retired from the company uh, 20 years ago. And what's interesting about it, I joined my dad in 1991. Uh, there were four employees. It was my father and three employees. I was employee number five. And my dad had no desire to be a larger company. He liked what he did and he liked the way he did it. And they ran a very successful company. But in 1995, four short years later, we had grown to 10 and I saw where we were going. And my father apparently saw where we were going, came into my office in 1995 and said, I like what you're doing, but I want no part of this. So why don't you buy me out? So we structured a buyout in 1995. Uh, my father, actually, we completed the buyout right at the very end of 1999, and he retired, and that was that. And, and I will say there's two things that are important here. One is I value so much the time I spent with him. He's a, I've never met a finer technical architect in my life, and what he taught me about business was tremendous, mm -hmm. uh, tremendous. And I loved our time together. It could be tough. He was a very hard guy to work for, but I really valued it. I also valued the fact that he knew when it was time to leave. Uh, and, and I'm sensitive to that in our company because I think when you have the zeal to really run an organization, you should be there. But the day you find yourself not putting in 125% day in and day out, you ought to go. And I think he saw that and said, I'm going to leave. The funny part was he was a hard charger and we said he's going to leave on Friday and be back on Monday. And he has never set foot in our <laughs> office since he left. And, and I mean that with all literal fact, he has never come back. He, he will come have lunch with me, not coming to the office. So a great guy. Uh, but when he left, he left. And, and I so value that he, he and my mother live on a ranch. He's got, he, he is the guy you want to be at 85. He's healthy right. and happy and is doing his thing. And he loves what we're doing. He keeps up with what we're doing and he calls me from time to time. Uh, he drove by a stadium we were building for a university about a year ago and chewed me out because he didn't like the way it was going. So he's still well, uh, he, he still believes he's still very connected to the company. Right, uh, but right. so that's our origins about me. I, the thing I would tell you about me is I am not a self-made person. And I think that's a very important thing to say. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some people are, some people really healed it up and did that. And I'm not that I, I am the product of, uh, people who poured in and believed in me well more than I believed in myself. I, my mother was an educator. Uh, you know, my, my parents had high expectations. Uh, they, I have a brother and sister who are my, my uh, sister, very successful executive in California. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother's a dentist. We were all three, you know, successful in our own right, but our parents had high expectations and they didn't, uh, you know, put up with any guff out of any of their kids. Uh, you know, when I came to work for my dad, he gave me nothing. In fact, he was brutally difficult on me. Uh, when he sold me the business, I now know in hindsight, he, he overcharged me for it. Uh, <laughs> he wouldn't find that very funny if he heard that, but to, especially today, uh, right. but I way overpaid him for the business. My dad's not a guy that, that, that gave me anything. In fact, he did finance it. Uh, and he used to call me every time a payment was due about a week before to say, you better make sure you make your payment. So he was the, <laughs> a tough bank. Uh, but a great guy. And so yeah. I learned a lot from him and I so value uh, what I learned from him. I will say something is very important. So we did our 50th uh, celebration a few years ago and I asked my mother and father to come to that event because all our clients were there. And when I introduced them, I said, my father taught me the business of architecture. Mm -hmm. My mother taught me how to treat people. And so they were both very important in my life because my dad was a tough guy. My mom was, uh, my mom was the one that really taught me how to love and take care of people. So yeah. it was a good combination. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I think you, you definitely, you, and, and I've, I've been very fortunate enough to spend some time with your wonderful team. And I, I have to say from Kim Hopper on down, everybody understands relationship. And I think that's kind of what yes. you're speaking to. I think your mom taught you that the importance of the relationship. And we were talking about it earlier. I mean, you, you shared so many nuggets of wisdom before we even started recording, but I mean, th that, that, that relationship piece is so important. I'd love for you just to kind of share with the audience in, in terms of right now, I mean, you guys are pretty much the premier uh, educational designer in the state of Texas. Um, I mean, there are 
ISDs or independent school districts going up all throughout the state. There are new new schools being built all the time. You guys have your hands in a lot of these independent school districts. Um, the superintendents of these school districts really trust you. There's got to be a reason for that, but I, I'd love for you just to kind of talk about the explosive growth of education in Texas and how it has impacted your journey there at Huckabee. Yes, so that's a really good question. You know, when when I came to work for my dad, we really did one project at a time. That's just kind of how it was done. Uh, I can tell you right now, somewhere in the state of Texas, we have about 580 schools under construction, uh, not including what's on the board. So a lot of it, it's it's a very different world than it it, it was, you know, all those years ago. Uh, so things have changed, and and I think they've changed in two ways that I love. One is just simply the way education has evolved. You know, education when I came in was a, a somewhat of a boring design. Everything was the same. It was very predictive. You know, the it was a double-loaded corridor with lockers in the hallways and typical classroom with the chalkboard in the front, the teacher desk in the back. And if you were really lucky, you had a window and a teacher stood in the front of the room and that's kind of it. You know, that's the way it is. Well, education has evolved and, and the design has evolved and it's very exciting. You know, one of the things that I enjoy most about what we do today is we've got a research team and a research center, and we spend a tremendous amount of time researching student engagement, how to better reach our students today, and how that will impact, how design impacts that. And that could be furniture, it could be layout, it could be lighting. Uh, We've done some of the most interesting research studies I've ever seen, and I'm not certainly don't claim to be uh, smart enough to to understand that, but I could read the research and tell you what comes out of it. It's, it's pretty remarkable. So educational's cha- education's changed. The flip side of that is Texas has been a thriving and healthy place for a very long time. And, and I think that has mattered also. Uh, someone the other day was listening to our story and the guy said, you can claim all the wisdom in the world, but you're just been at the right place at the right time. And don't, don't act like you're something special. And I actually told the guy, you're right. That's true. That's just the way it is. You are absolutely correct about that. So, you know, thank you for that. So, uh, Texas has been healthy. I do think Texas will remain healthy. I think Texas has got probably a 12 to 24 month challenge in front of us, not necessarily just with COVID, but also with the oil situation. So I do think we've got some challenges in front of us. And I think we have to recognize that. That said, Texas is also a very friendly state from a regulation standpoint. It's very friendly from a taxing standpoint. We're a very attractive place to do business. It's very attractive for us to do business here, and it's attractive to draw other businesses in mm-hmm. because of those things. And that's not going to change. And, and my clients don't believe that's going to change. So I do think we've got some challenges in front of us, but I think it's still a pretty solid place overall to do business. Yeah, no, and I think that's the that's the thing about Texas, and and um, there there are you know there there it's just a little bit of um there's 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 less uh, hands on when it comes to government regulation and all that, so there's a little bit more flexibility there, and I think you guys have been able to really take advantage of that in a number of different ways. Um, I'd love for you just to kind of talk about you know we we are. At the, at the time that we're recording this, it's early May. Uh, this podcast will come out sometime at the end of this month or early in June. And, and you know, somebody might be listening to this two or three years down the road. Um, I would love for you just to talk about how this whole COVID-19 has impacted you guys, both internally within your organization, meaning how has it, how have you managed and led your team differently during COVID-19? And then I'd also love for you to kind of tie into it that the connection with your clients and what has changed fundamentally in terms of the way that you interact with clients, given everything that's happening right now. Everybody's working from home. Yeah, you know, it's that's a obviously that's that's the question today, and everybody asks that. And and certainly, you know, it's interesting because I've heard lots and lots of CEOs of firms, and they're all like, "Oh, we're doing great, and everything's fine." I, I think let's back up and let's talk about when we've made the decision and said, "Okay, we've got to shut this thing down." So, what's interesting, my team, if you, you I think you know this, but we have a psychologist on staff in our company, and we spend a lot of time doing counseling and interactions and things. And so if you study our team and you study our strengths, which we're real big on, 
our, we've got lots of achievers in our company. And I think that's interesting. And when I realized that was a challenge is when we decided to close the office, everyone kept coming to work. They did not stop and they did not go home. We had to physically or electronically lock down our offices and take <laughs> everyone's access off in order to get people to go away. They just kept showing up every day. And finally, uh, our, our, our human re- head of human resource chief, uh, human resource officer called me and said, if we, these people are never going to go home, we have right. to make them go home. And I'm telling them you're going to go home and they kept showing up. So we forcefully required our staff to go home. And clearly we're a, a, a essential business. We could stay. We did not have to close our offices. We did that because we love our employees and we care about their well-being. And more importantly, we thought that was the right thing to do for everyone, meaning their loved ones and the mm-hmm. communities in general. It was the right thing to do. So we forced them to go home and, and, and some of them didn't really love that. <laughs> the nice thing, if there's a positive about this, about eight years ago, we started investing heavily in technology. We went to virtualized desktops eight years ago. So we didn't do it because we thought we were all going to work from home. We did it because we wanted to interact our offices together. We are not individual profit centers. We are one company. We live and die by one balance sheet. Mm-hmm. And so we felt like it was very, very important that we connected together. So we've spent tremendous amounts of money on technology over the years not because we thought we were going to work from home. Uh, however, it turned out that's that's made working from home very, very simple. So going home and going to work was not a challenge. Uh, in fact, it, it was shockingly simple. And we've had very flexible policies on that in the company already. So it wasn't like this was some kind of shock to us. Uh, now, 100% of everybody going home and working was somewhat of a shock, but we just didn't have any challenges. So that part was not difficult for us at all. Uh, you've been in our offices, so you kind of know how we interact. Very strong culture, very close groups. I mean, we have a full-time barista in the lobby of our our main office in Fort Worth, and all our offices have these big coffee bar lobbies where we want our people to interact. Our folks love each other. I mean, I think you know this, but we've been named the number one best firm to work more by Zweg. We've been in the top five more than any firm in the history of Zweg. So culturally, we are a very strong cultural. We love each other. I My, my wife says I love the employees at Huckabee more than I love my family. Um, so we love each other. So not being around each other is difficult. It is killing me not yeah. to be in telling my employees I love them and talking to them and taking care of them. That's just who I am. So And that's who we are. So being away from each other was challenging and we had to find ways to stay connected. And we've been, we've done that. So what we said initially is how do we stay, how do we keep these strong connections with our clients when we can't physically go to them? And we've always encouraged uh, interactions with our clients personally. We've just thought there was no substitution for that. There was no real way to have the experience, the design and delivery experience without being there with the client and touching them every day. Well, the truth is we found that we can be fairly successful not doing that. You know, mm-hmm. we've, we've moved, we've transitioned online. We've done des- full designs online. We were hired after everybody went home to do a project and it's now been approved in DD by a client. And the entire process has been done online. The client said, greatest process I've ever been through. So we've redesigned <laughs> some of the processes yeah. and we've said we can do design charrettes online. We can do interactive work online. We can do every single thing. And shockingly, we've virtualized tours so clients can go see other buildings and interact and talk to people. Uh, We've really found that we can do it. So there's been lots and lots and lots of touches with clients. That's been number one is let's talk to our clients about how they're doing. And initially, when this started, we said we have to recognize that at least for 30 to 60 days, our clients are not going to have time for us. They've got other things to do. They're serving their communities and we need to let them do that. So we were being, we were being a friend at that mm-hmm. point. We were reaching out to them and saying, how you doing? How can we help you? Uh, just, you know, mental health check-ins. And then we started transitioning back to work and, you know, we had plenty of backlog and things going on. So we were busy. But but those projects that were just starting and designing things, we put those on hold for a little while to let the clients kind of take a deep breath. And then those have picked back up and moved on and been fine. That part's worked. We've learned how to do that online. We've learned how to do that online with each other. These Zoom 
meeting gatherings have been everything. So as the CEO, I, I struggle because I'm not personally. I So I was in every office in our system uh, every month, mm-hmm. usually multiple days. So in my job when I was in the office was simply see how people were doing, do check-ins and help, help people. And so that's been really hard for me not to just do a check-in, how you doing that kind of thing. So I started two things. Uh, I started sending a nightly email every night from the day we all went home. So I'm about two months into that at this point. Um, I don't know that anyone reads them anymore, to be quite frank with you. I'll say this. I get every night, two or three, and it's different people every night that write me back and comment on the email. In fact, this morning, I woke up with five responses to my email last night, and it was kind of an emotional email. So um, it's been very, very interesting, but every night I write them, uh, my employees have have gotten a glimpse into my life like never before in some very funny ways. Right. Uh, I'm talking to them about my food problems. I've discovered uh, we don't have junk food in the Huckabee house. And my wife brought Doritos in as part of our panic pantry. Uh, and I discovered Doritos are pretty darn good. And so yeah. I went through this whole rant in an email about uh, I'm going to weigh a thousand pounds when this oh is over. Pretty fun. Yeah. But I've been raw and I've been real. And I, what I've told them is when I'm struggling, I'm honest with them, what I'm reading, what I'm doing and things like that. I've <clears throat> certainly talked to them about work and things like that. Then at, from there, also at lunch every day, I've done a, a what we call lunch with Chris and 25 people at a time can sign up and I go online and do a lunch with them. And and in what I have always done, and we've all, you know, we have what we call state of Huckabee in the company twice a year where we put everything, we are very transparent in this firm. We tell everybody the finances, we tell them every single thing we know and we're honest about it. And we allow them to anonymous, anonymously ask questions and we answer them. And so I missed state of Huckabee. It was scheduled, it was slated to do in April. And, and of course I got missed. So in these lunches, what I've said is I'm going to treat it like a mini state of Huckabee. I'm going to tell you what I know is going on and I'm going to allow you to ask any question you want to ask me and I'll answer it. I won't lie. I won't make up things, but if I don't know the truth, the answer, I'm not going to, I'm going to tell you I don't know the answer. So, and I think our employees really trust to know that about me. So I'm not going to tell them that I think everything's perfect and the world's going to go back exactly the way it is because I don't know that. And I don't know anyone that does. Um, So what I'm telling them is what I know. And, you know, some very positive things. I, you know, I shared with them that in mid-February, I sat our team down and said, I am concerned about this coronavirus thing. And think about mid-February, not everybody was. Uh, I got accused of my, my son's the CFO of our company, and I got accused by my son of being a, 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 a prepper. I think was his word. Um, a doomsday prepper. A doomsday guy. And my comment was, I'm not a doomsday guy. I'm a CEO of a company that's got a lot of employees that count on me. Yeah, We're going to develop absolutely. a plan. So I got HR and finance in and said, build a plan. And by the end of February, they'd built a plan that was kind of high, medium, and low. And two weeks later, I walked into his office and said, pull down the plan, go to work. And I, I remember saying to him, I can't even believe I'm saying this to you, but start mm-hmm. executing the plan. And we had a plan. And quite frankly, the plan has worked uh, quite a, a lot better. We had a high, medium and low. And initially, we thought the plan was going to be the, the bad end. Uh, and it hasn't been. Right. It's been kind of medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had a plan. And, and I'm very thankful that, that we did and that kind of thing. So uh, it's not been perfect. I, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not been perfect. But Nothing ever is. So Yeah, it's been okay. It's been okay. Yeah. Well, I, it's funny. I had uh, Michael Davis. I don't know if you know him from um, WGI. Michael's yes. a great guy, and yeah, great you know guy. he talked about the fact that you know they had they had the foresight at WGI to um, to put a crisis management team together. And actually, you know, as the more he talked about it, the more it made sense for any firm of any size to have something remotely like that in place to deal with the hy- the 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 hy- hypotheticals the what ifs how do we do this if this happens how do we do this if that happens um i mean you know a lot of companies were kind of caught blindsided by this and that's that's unfortunate but i think i think as design professionals it's incumbent if nobody else you know with 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 what all the things that you guys do as design professionals, and I always say this, and this is for anybody listening, that obviously you guys are responsible for the built environment, period, end of story. And everything you do matters, meaning that 
that when it comes time, you, you need to be thinking about your businesses the same way that you think about the needs of your clients and making sure, ensuring that your businesses are successful, that they can weather storms, which are going to come like this and many others. And, you know, I mean, I think we're in for a long-term period of figure, figuring out things. But in, in, the, in the great words of uh, Marie Forleo, everything is figure outable, right? But you can't do it unless you get a group of your, 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 your most brilliant people together to really brainstorm and, and walk through all the different scenarios that you might encounter. Because if you don't do that, then yeah, you're just, you're at the mercy of whatever situation you're in. You know, so interesting response to that. So we have had a long time, what we call emergency response plan, and it, it takes in lots and lots of emergencies. Mm -hmm. Didn't have pandemic on there. I am going to admit to you, uh, pandemic was not one of them. Um, I, I guess I'm kind of embarrassed. I, I think you know this. So, you know, several years ago, we lost our longtime uh, CFO and, and before that he was president and moved transition CFO and was a, you know, longtime partner in the company, very, very important in my life was one of my best, became one of my best friends through the process. But we had an emergency response plan. And after his passing, I remember looking back and thinking, wow, um, I'm so thankful we had this plan because we executed literally uh, while I was a, a really a mess inside. Yeah. The company did not miss a beat. It executed the plan. It executed properly. And I looked back and said, all these things we did really, really paid off for us. And I, I'm going to, I think, look back on this and say the same thing. It's not been perfect, but we've we've done a lot of things. And what can we learn? And what, what happened after his passing is we went back months later and said, what did we do right and what did we do wrong? And some things we got wrong. I mean, I'll admit that he he passed away very early morning, had a heart attack, unexpected, healthy, and had a heart attack and passed away. And I'm on my way to his family, to to his home, very early morning on Saturday. And I call my leadership team together and say, you know, here's what's going on. I need you guys to go to the office and and start really looking at the plan, how we're going to execute this. And uh, the question I had is, do you want to bring in the communications team and develop a, a, um, a communication to the employees and to our clients? And I said, no, we'll do that on, this was Saturday morning. I said, no, we'll do that on Sunday or Monday. Before I got to his home, which was about an hour and a half drive, before I got to his home, a client called me and said, is it true? Has he passed away? And I said, how do you know this? Well, you know, social media is a really weird thing. And so right. we didn't have a plan that realized how quickly you have to respond to things. And so yeah. we changed the emergency response plan to say the most important, because I called my team and said, get the communications team in, develop an email. I'm not even going to read it. I'm going to send it. Mm -hmm. So it better be done right because I'm just going to hit send on it. And those are things you learn along the way. And then you look back and say, how could we have done this better? Yeah. Um, yeah. Things like that. So to, to be honest with you, my emails, my nightly emails were how I was staying in touch with everybody. And I have a longtime client who retired recently and joined the Huckabee team. He's become one of my most valuable players because he has a perspective I don't have. And after about two weeks of me sending these emails, he called me and said, Chris, these are great. Get in front of your team on video. And I was like, yeah, I don't yeah. do video. And he yeah. goes, yes, you do. <laughs> I was like, no, it doesn't work for me. I'm an in-person guy. I love to, I love it. And he goes, nope, you don't have the right. You, you just don't get to do that. And he was the one that suggested I start doing the lunch meetings and the, you know, the virtual state of Huckabee's and things like that. And I did, I remember the first one just thinking, I so don't want to do this because it's so impersonal. And guess what? It turned out to great response and people loved it. We look back. So I do think the emergency response thing, you know, maybe next time it won't be a pandemic. Maybe it'll be your building burns. I mean, yeah. all these things happen, but you got to have a response to these things and then you got to execute them. You got to say, if this happens, this is what we're going to do. And you, you just do it. I mean, it's, it's really how it is. We're, you know, we're, we're, I, I have to say that I think the most important thing is to say is we're not, you're not going to be perfect and you don't have to be. No one expects right. you to be perfect. They expect you to be real. Mm -hmm. They expect you to be honest, but they don't expect you to be perfect. Your clients don't either. 
Uh, your employees certainly don't, but they certainly expect their leaders to be honest and transparent with them. And I think that's what they appreciate about this. You know, as long as we're telling them the truth and, and quite frankly, a lot of us right now, we don't know what exactly how this plays out. No, you know, we're, no, we're, no, we're still, I, we, we, we actually may be in the first quarter. I, I right. don't know, but uh, <laughs> we, we're probably not at halftime yet. I well, mean, right. I think, yeah. And it's funny you say that because I was talking to somebody else who told me that they have already committed to not doing any uh, in-person large meetings until 20, 22 because they're oh. just like you know you know and so i think you're going to hear a lot of different yeah. things from a lot of different people um i know some people that have personally are like i don't know if i'm going to be comfortable going into big crowds uh because maybe they struggle with one malady or another and so i sure. get it i mean you know you're gonna you're, you potentially could lose out on 30 to 50 percent of your audience just because of illness issues and people's personal health history which is going to impact that. So it's, I think it'll be interesting, but you're right. You have to be, you know, I have to be willing to kind of flow with it and, and, and go with, with where things are going to go. But I'd say we're probably, you're, you're right. We're early in the first quarter and this is going to be a while. I mean, it's just not a light switch. You just can't turn it on. You know, an interesting comment about that. So, you know, we, it, we really had to force our employees to go home and, you know, now we're starting to open up the world and go back uh, and it is important. Our construction teams, our our field teams, did not stop. We we changed their processes, uh, but all those projects I referred to a minute ago, all those projects are still going on, and and our teams have been out there. We did change processes, and we changed them pretty significantly. But they've been out and and have moved forward, and things have been okay. What's interesting is we've decided before we opened back up our offices, we were going to survey every employee we had and we were going to build a personal plan for each one of them to open back. So we wanted to, because some people have uh, people at home that they're caring for that while they might not have a health issue, the person at home might. And so we want to be very sensitive to, to matching up how we brought people back. Uh, I thought, because Remember, we had to force everyone to go home. I thought people would just be clawing their way in the door. And there's a very small group that can't do their job at home that was very excited to go back and has actually gone back. Most of our offices have a very small group of people in the offices now. And and at their request, they've gone back. It was very small. But by and large, I think the number I was told after surveying is 80% of our staff is not comfortable going back today. 80%. And what we've said to them is, if you're not comfortable, you're not going back. So um, what we, because we were initially targeting a May 15th uh, date to bring Mm -hmm. them back. We've now gone out and just said, we're not even discussing bringing you back until June 1st. And at June 1st, we'll have a conversation with you and we'll see where we are. Uh, And so that's how we're handling it. And I think the world's trying to open up right now. It's May 5th or 6th and uh, the world's trying to open up right now. Uh, So we're going to know in a couple of weeks whether that was okay or not okay. You know, it takes a couple of weeks to know. And so what we're going to do is just let our folks sit on the sidelines and we're going to take it easy and we'll see where this goes. But the fact that our staff was not comfortable told me a lot. And mm-hmm. it's, and, and I think that's most important. We need our teams to be comfortable going back and getting back into the flow of things. We think even when people go back, we think our world's changed forever. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, and I'm not saying that from a negative <laughs> standpoint, I think, some of this is a change is good. (laughs) I I think change is good. good. Uh, I think it can be. And I think in our case, you know, we have very large offices. We we've invested heavily. We have six offices. Uh, Every one of them has been uh, heavily. They're, they're all the same. They're all branded the same furnishings are the same. We've spent a ton of money doing these. uh, Thankfully not on debt. Um, So I'm, I'm pretty thankful about that, but, Um, I think our footprint needs to be much smaller going forward. Mm -hmm. And we're studying right now, what will we do with our extra space? Because we don't see our offices ever returning to 100% capacity uh, ever. And I don't mean this because of layoff. I mean this because of we've been reasonably successful from working from home and very productive. 
And our th theory, and, and this is not necessarily new because we allowed that flexibility before, but not at this level. Right. And so what we've said is, hey, we still believe culturally we need to be together at times. We believe there is a mentoring piece that needs to take place. There are times our teams need to be together. So that's not going to change. And we're working on changing how that will happen. But if you just have work to do, go home and do your work. We trust our people. We've always trusted our people. No one stands at the door and watches them come and go. We've never right. done that. But and, and our folks have been, by any financial metric you can study, Huckabee's always been a very successful place. But we've done that because we trust our employees. We don't we don't tell them how many hours it's going to take to do a project. We have a unique structure on how we do things, and our, our finances have said that. But because of that, we think we're fairly tailored to say, we're going to have times when we're in the office. We're going to have times we're not in the office that we're going to allow people to just do their work at home. And we're still trying to find our way through that. And I think there's, that means our, we probably have too much real estate going forward, mm -hmm. you know, and we've got a team studying that because, uh, you know, I think we're going to have to figure out what to do with some of our real estate and some things like that. But overall, I think this creates opportunity. It certainly creates challenge. Uh, but I think it creates opportunity and that's where we're, that's how I look at everything. Every yeah. challenge is an opportunity. Uh, and I think that's what we're doing right now saying, how do we, how do we turn this into a win for us? And, and I think we do. I, I think yeah. long-term we do short-term, there could be some pain, uh, long-term. I think there would be a lot of win from this. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I agree. And it's so funny. I was literally yesterday, I was speaking to a young man. He's a very bright, uh, um, PE as a land development guy. And he said to me, he said, you know, Randy, I've been working from home and he lives down in Austin. He said, you know, I've been working from home. I've actually gotten more work done and more interaction with my client working from home than I was in the office. And he said, I can't believe um, the, the level of, uh, of work that I've actually been able to accomplish in these last two months. It's been so interesting comment on that. We surveyed our team because we were afraid they weren't, our teams weren't getting the interaction with their principals that they needed. And so the question was, how are we interacting and are we doing okay? And fascinating comment that came out of the survey was I'm getting more interaction than I've ever had from the top leadership at Huckabee. Yeah. And I thought, what does that tell you? Oh my <laughs> gosh. So let me, so I'll tell you some positives about this. Finance has always said, you know, our, our business support team has always said the biggest challenge we have is chasing down our principals and getting them to approve invoices, mm -hmm. getting them to hit their targets. And we are a KPI driven company. I mean, right. big time. You, we, we, we study KPIs. We live by our KPIs, but getting principles to on a monthly basis, project office to office and projects to projects. And you're held accountable if you're not hitting these targets and they were all over the map. And suddenly we're nailing KPIs. Our projections are right. Our billings are going out on time. It's really, really, really fascinating. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love hearing that. And I think, again, this is the time for us to kind of get a little introspective and work on things internally within our organizations that will allow us to excel when when this when the world turns back on, if you will. And when that happens, it will turn back on and, and, and it will be, you know, we'll be out there. And I think it's important because again, design professionals, I mean, you guys make the world go around in so many different ways. You do it within the educational sphere, but so many design professionals really have a tremendous uh, ability to affect the, our economy, to affect what we see uh, in the built built environment. So uh, I certainly want to encourage everyone out there that uh, I do believe that this too shall pass. We will it, take our pound will. of flesh in it, it but, it but we'll be okay. We will be it, okay. You know, an important comment on that. So uh, Huckabee is part of the AIA large firm round table. And, and I will say something that to me has been so tremendous through this. This is an unusual time. We're all in this together you know, normally we're not all in this together. Somebody's doing okay and somebody's struggling. And that's right. walk down your street. And in a given day, in a normal environment, someone's having the best day of their life. Someone's having a rough day. And everybody else just having a day. Okay. Yeah. That's just kind of the way it is. Right now, we are all in this. I don't, no one is going to call you right now and say, I'm just killing it. Life is wonderful. Everything's right. great. We're all kind of in this together. We're a little nervous. There's a lot of unknown out there. And we're just, we're all kind of in, in the same boat. So the AI large firm roundtable, this is the CEOs of, of some of the, 
the largest firms in the United States mm -hmm. and the transparency and the sharing that has gone on has blown me away. We yeah. are talking and we're being pretty transparent with each other right. in some topics that if you didn't trust one another, someone could do you some damage because right. we are competitors and we are in there sharing the world with each other. And I have to say, it's been one of the most valuable things for me is we've now transferred over and we're on a Teams platform. Initially, we're doing it by email and we're now on a Teams platform and we are being transparent and we're sharing, this is what's going on with my firm. How are you handling this? And uh, I, I have truly been blown away by the the quality of the interactions with my peers across the United States and just saying, guys, I'm just going to say this is where I am. This is what's going on. I mean, people write and say, I'm scared. People yeah. write and say, hey, here's what I'm doing. Uh, you know, it, you, there has not been a topic off limits. And I think you have to trust your peers because your peers could truly do you some damage Absolutely. if they weren't trustworthy people. And yeah. that's not how this has been. This has been, we're all in this together. We're all going to get through it. And I'm going to share with you what I'm doing. And I want you to share with me what you're doing. And, and we're going to work on this together. And I, I have truly been uh, blown away by, by how well that's worked. But I think it's because we're all in the same spot on this. And I think it's the unknown is a fearful thing. Yeah. And I, I think we're all in kind of an unknown territory. You want to be a great leader and you want to take care of people. And right now there's things you just don't know about mm -hmm. where we, where we go in the future. Yeah. And I think that's okay. I mean, again, it's one of those things where sometimes you just have to embrace the unknown because uh, if, like you said, um, you're able to collaborate with other like-minded leaders, right? Then, then that will go a long way in how you all deal with it as, as one unit, as one group of architectural professionals that yep. serve the needs of people all over the world, much less all over the United States. So yes. Yes. I see, a, I see a lot of opportunity there. I really yep. do. So. I, I, I think we come out of this and look back and we're better and stronger for it. Uh, but you know, certainly when you're in the storm, you don't always know, uh, where, where you're going to come out. And I think that's the tough part about this is we don't know how far, how deep, how challenging this is going to be. Yeah. And, and I will tell you when I'm talking to my staff, they will all tell you they've heard that from me. I'm not going to say everything's going to be perfect and it's going to be okay because I don't know. And what yeah. I tell them is anyone who tells you they know is lying to you. <laughs> Yeah. You know, if you watch the news, because I've told them there's two groups of people in the world today in my mind, one that thinks our president's the greatest guy in the world. and The other group thinks he's the worst guy in the world. I don't think either one. And I try not to pay attention to all that nonsense. I try to stay in the middle of the road because I think I, I can't go one way or the other. I think we need to stay in the middle of the road and try to keep some common sense about ourselves and not spend too much time swaying to either side yeah. politically. We need yeah. to watch what's going on in the middle and try to do what's very best for our teams and stay out of the uh, stuff e either direction because it's not healthy for us as business leaders to make business. I understand politics mm -hmm. quite well. Yeah. This is not, this stuff is for us as leaders is not about politics. No. Can't. And it's a rabbit hole that you just don't want to go down because I think that, you know, what I keep telling other people, what I keep telling people is that, listen, if, 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 if nothing else, just focus on helping other people out because then everything yeah. will kind of come into focus that way. And Agreed. you guys are doing that at Huckabee. You're doing it internally with your team as well as externally with uh, all the different independent school districts that you work with and, and just focusing on those individuals. And then the other things will kind of work themselves out. And I tell people not to, I tell people on the right and on the left not to get caught up in the hype of all this other stuff, because we, we really need to be dealing with the people that are right in front of you. If this kid's in front of me and he's hungry, I need to feed him. If right. this person needs something, I need to give it to them and share it with them. That's yeah. where we need to be. Cause I, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell this story and then we can wind it up because I really appreciate you taking this time. But you know, my grandparents reminded me, and I've talked about this on a, on another podcast about uh, just kind of how everybody came together during the depression. Yes. And they, they remembered my grandfather was born in 1908. My grandmother was born in 1911. So they experienced it. And for multiple years, right, we're all upset over 60 days. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they were in it for like six or seven years. And they were like, listen, we just we realized that it does literally take a village and that we all have to come together and help each other out. If we don't have food and somebody else does, we'll help. 
they'll help us. If we have food and somebody else doesn't, then we'll help them. It's that kind of mentality that ultimately I think that's going to get us through this as a society, as as Americans, um, especially as design professionals. And so we we have to be we have to be mindful of that and that that this is actually an opportunity for us to develop our relationship muscle. It's an opportunity for us to develop our thinking muscle. Uh, I think more people are reading books now than ever before. Yeah, I, mean, I am. Yeah, I am too. So, um, but I mean, there's, this is just, I mean, you know, like they say, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. This is an opportunity for you to kind of strengthen yourself. And in doing so, you can strengthen some other people. So you know, I, good, you know I, I will say a couple of comments on that as one last night in my email, I said, I've spent, my wife and I have done a long walk every morning and a long walk every eight. night. Yes, and me too. My, my wife, and we've been married a long, long time. We raised three kids who are all grown, but uh, we have had more fun walking and talking to each other. I'm serious. I have loved my time because I am always on the road and I'm always too busy and I've had time to spend with my wife like never before. I mean, truly special time. I wrote that in an email last night to my team, how much I've loved that. And I do think that's true. Yeah, the way off that topic, but something that uh, Friday in my email to our staff, I wrote them and told them I was watching the news and I was watching these lines of cars and people lining up for food. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's important to say that um, one, I don't care. And unless you're in that line and you might be, if you don't have a problem. Okay. So if people are lining up and they're hungry in this country, uh, I don't believe anyone should go hungry. And I think it's our job. I think it is a responsibility on every one of us who can, we ought to make that go away because yes. we all have problems, but if I'm not hungry, that I don't have a lot of problems. Right. So, right. uh, and I, I told my staff on Friday that we, that I personally on behalf of all the Huckabee people donated my entire salary from last year to what's called feeding Texas. Wow. And I did it for a reason. I did it on behalf of the Huckabee team to say, y'all are working, mm-hmm. you're doing what's, what matters. And I think this is important that we step up and, and, and make a statement that we're not going to let people go hungry. Yeah. Um, at the very basic core, we have an obligation to each other to take <laughs> care of each other. And there's people who are hungry. I mean, these yeah. people are lining up in cars for hours yeah. and they're not lining up in cars for hours because they want to get out of the house. Uh, they're hungry. Yeah. And I do believe in this country, we should not allow a person to go hungry. Uh, we, and I think that's an obligation we have. And we, it, you know, and if you woke up this morning, you had food to eat. You're there. There are people who aren't in your shoes and we ought to do something about that. Right. And I think that's, you know, as organizations and things we should, yeah, we're, it's not ideal. And I don't know what we come back to. And I know there's going to be some tough times ahead. I'm betting we're not going to go hungry uh, in the Huckabee organization. And I think that's an obligation we have. And so I sent out to the my employees and said, you know, I've done this on your behalf, but if you've got 10 bucks, I'd like for you to step up as well and do this. Mm-hmm. And I got more response from people saying, I'm in, I'm yeah. in, I'm going to do yeah. that. So yeah. uh, I think it's things like that where we find opportunity to serve others through this mm-hmm. uh, to, to really make a difference that you look back and say, okay, this actually probably wasn't that bad a time. And if I look at some other people in a challenging situation, uh, I went through this just fine. Mm-hmm. And I think you can have some, you can have some grace at this time to do things like that. It really makes, it, it makes getting through it a little bit better. I think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right, man. Well, I, I think that is a, that's a great way for us to put a pin in this conversation. I, there's so much more I want to talk to you about, Chris. I want to talk to you about um, uh, Texas Tech. I want to talk to you about because you, you, you. I mean, we didn't even get into that. I mean, you yeah, basically have yeah, two jobs. I you, do. You were, you were doing a lot of other things, and you know, we're, we're going to save that for another podcast because I okay. think it is important that, um, especially design firm leaders need to find ways to to serve that may not be uniquely the way that you were educated to serve. And yeah. so uh, I think you you have found that with Texas Tech University. And uh, I've told any de- design firm leader that I've ever spoken to, get on a board somewhere, even if it's with the local organization in your community, because you have so much to offer 
And, um, and so I, I, you know, we'll have to have another conversation about that down the road, but thank so, you. So when I became chairman of the board, we went to the national uh, championships during the, the uh, final four yes. or, or during the March madness. Yeah. And I thought being the chairman of the board of large universities, the funnest thing I've ever done. So now I'm at the other end of that. Um, <laughs> it's challenging. A whole different ball game. It's challenging. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. right. I do have full, two full-time companies I'm running today, but I think that's what we sign up for. And I do think I, uh, I'll leave you with this and say that I think design professionals are some of the most creative people in the world, obviously, yeah. and creative people can solve these problems. And so I think that's why we're put in this boat, you know, solve problems, make it right. happen. Right. No, that's it right there. I love that. So, well, Chris, thank you so much for, for being on the Zweig Letter podcast. We really, really appreciate you and, and uh, everything that you're doing. I, I've had a chance to spend a lot of time with you guys and, and uh, Camp Ace was amazing. I've told everybody around the company, uh, everybody around the country about Camp Ace and how, how just how special it was. Yeah, the special. feedback that I got from all your team members and just all the great things that you're doing. So anybody listening to this, if you want to really get an inside glimpse of, of, of what a company is doing the right way from a design firm perspective, look no further than Huckabee uh, and, and what Chris Huckabee is doing with his amazing team. And I, and I don't use that adjective um, mildly. I mean, they are, uh, you, he, I spent time with his leadership team and these guys are about it. And yeah, certainly you, you have spent a lot of time with, yes, us. absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, you so, have. Yeah. So you, you but, know the, how the sausage is made. So. Exactly. Yes. And it's good sausage. So that's okay. It's good, but, uh, but yeah. we're, a, we're, a, we're, a, we're working on it all the time. It's not perfect. No, I know. I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I appreciate that. So thank you very much for, for everything. Thank, thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of the Zweig Letter podcast. And um, I, I appreciate you guys taking a, a chance to listen and uh, check us out. We're back better than ever talking to some amazing people like Chris Huckabee and so many others uh, that we have scheduled. I, I can't wait for you to hear the folks that we have scheduled over the next few months. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, I told you if I did come back and do this Y Glitter podcast, it was going to be bigger and better than ever. Uh, this opportunity that uh, is in front of me is one that I definitely want to take advantage of. And so I hope you get something out of this. I hope you get something out of what Chris shared. Uh, the show notes will be there, all the information and uh, that you need uh, to contact Chris. If you just want to reach out and ask him questions, you want to check out Huckabee's website and see what these guys are all about, I encourage you to do that. And, and more importantly, uh, I would really just ask that you guys, if you you like the podcast, please rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think. If there's something we can improve upon, share that with us as well. But that's really all I have for you this week. I will see you back here. Uh, as you know, our schedule for these podcasts is every other week. So every other week on Thursdays, the podcast gets released. So um, just it's, it comes out twice a month. You can hear this Wag Letter podcast, listen to it, uh, share it with a friend. I would say listen to it on your commute, but your commute's probably from your bedroom to your office. So that's not that big of a commute anymore. But, uh, but so yeah, definitely share it with a friend and um, let us know how we're doing. And we appreciate you just taking time out of your day to put us between your ears and, uh, and let us speak to you. So that's all I have for you. I will be in touch really soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweig Letter Podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to the Zweig Letter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.